In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our dear Lord, from the depth of our hearts, we thank you, and we give praise to you for this gathering, for bringing us together around your holy name, for granting us this faith that was handed to us from our Father, the Apostles, as a treasure to confirm us and also to transform us into your image and to your likeness. We know that many times Satan tries to shake our faith, but our confidence and trust in you is above and beyond everything. And we know that through your Holy Spirit and your grace and your love, you will strengthen us in our faith day after day. We ask you to open the ears of our hearts to listen to your holy words so that we will not be only listeners but only also doers of your word. Hear our prayer through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Stephen, and all the saints who have pleased you since the beginning. Hear us, O Lord, when we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This session is a question and answer session. So I will say a small introduction. And after this, you can ask your uh, question either uh, written or uh, verbal. Uh, the verse of this convention is from First Corinthians. Chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The word faith in the Bible comes with three meanings. The first meaning is doctrine, or dogma, or creed. Like when we say the creed, I believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantocrator, creator of heaven. So that is my faith. I believe in the Holy Trinity. I believe in the incarnation of the Son of God. I believe in uh, uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in his second coming, etc. So that is the first meaning of the word faith. Your belief system. Second meaning of the word faith is 
confidence when you say, I believe that God will be with me during this trial. That's confidence. When, in your, when you read the Hebrews chapter 11, St. Paul is a word of faith in this chapter mainly means confidence. So when, we, when he said, Abraham, when he was called, he believed to follow God, even not knowing where he is going. He believed means he had confidence in God who called him. It's better for him. So he started following God, not even knowing where he is heading. He followed God blindly because he has confidence in God. And the third word meaning of faith is a gift that is given to the people who are doing uh, miracles or who are doing healings. For these people actually, in order to perform the miracle or the healing, if God gives them the, the gift of healing or gift of miracles, they need to have faith that the miracle will happen. But this faith actually is just a gift from God. And this faith in itself cannot save you. What you need to be saved is faith as doctrine, when you have the true and the sound doctrine, and the confidence in God. That's why in First Corinthians chapter uh, 13 and verse 2, St. Paul said, And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Here he is not speaking about faith as doctrine or as creed or belief system. And not speaking about faith as confidence in God. But speaking about a gift, God give me this gift to work miracles. So I know if I ask this mountain to move, it will move. That's faith in itself. But if I have this faith, but this faith actually is not showing in my behavior how to love one another and the obedience of the commandment of God, then I am nothing. One of the examples is Judas Iscariot himself. He performed many miracles because he believed that Jesus, who gave him the power to perform miracles, he is able to let him do these miracles. But Judas himself, this faith, could not save him. And the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mountain, uh, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, the Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? 
and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So these people actually were performing miracles, casting out demons, healing uh, sick people, but they were practicing lawlessness. That's why this faith could not save them. Uh, and this will explain a verse that confused many of us. When the Lord said, if you have faith, like mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and the mountain will listen to you. Many people actually start to doubt their faith. <laughs> One time, somebody told me, I cannot move a chair, so <laughs> does this mean I don't believe? I am unbeliever? I told him, no. This is not about faith as creed or faith as confidence in God. But it is a gift. God gave this gift not to everybody. And not based on your righteousness. Because some people work miracles and they practice lawlessness. And if you understand this, not everybody does a miracle is a saint. Not everybody cast out demon is a saint. You need to understand this. Because sometimes when we hear or we see somebody doing miracles or casting out demons, immediately we say he has the true doctrine, he has the true faith, and he's a saint. No. The Bible tells us no. Even the Antichrist, when he comes, he will actually uh, perform many miracles. He can order fire to descend from heaven, as we read in the book of Revelation. So, if you are among these people, when you see miracle, you believe that this person who is performing the miracle is a saint, and his faith is the true faith, be careful. Otherwise, you will be a follower of the Antichrist. And I see in our current time, many people follow blindly those who... <laughs> and I didn't do anything for you. <laughs> she doesn't understand the sermon. The sermon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a question, yeah. But one khalas. And if we are talking about how our faith is under attack or the fire that attack our faith, one of the main attacks is a deception when we are deceived by those who claim to do miracles or cast out demons, and we just blindly follow them. Recently, one of those people who claimed 
or he's claiming that he's casting out demons and performing miracles. He said about verses from the scripture that was said by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, these verses are coming from Satan. So how can I follow a person like this who is saying, you know, uh, these verses are said by Satan, although these verses were said by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I'm not going to discuss whether he's performing miracle or not. But even if the miracle that he is saying that or claiming that he is performing is correct and true, but how can I believe in a fellow person who is saying about the word of the Lord Jesus Christ are words of Satan? So, uh, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. That's why the differentiation between these three types of faith is very important. Faith as belief system, faith as confidence, and faith as gift, you know, given not for everybody, but for some people. Uh, to work miracles and to do healing and to cast out demons. And this faith, uh, gift is not dependent on their godliness or their righteousness. So as we read in Matthew chapter 7, they can practice lawlessness. And at the same time, they had this miracle, uh, miracle gift. Uh, and I give you the example of Judas Iscariot, who was a thief, and he, and he stole the money in the box, but at the same time, he was one of the 12 who performed many miracles. I think that's enough for the introduction. Now, if you have any questions, either written or verbal, That was very good. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess then the question becomes, um, and whenever we're following a leader or our employer or whoever, how, how to discern when it is time to walk away and when to continue following? As St. Peter said, we ought to follow God more than men. If this leader asking me to do something against God, then actually I will not do it. That's why, you know, the martyrs were killed. They were um, generals in the army, like St. George, uh, St. Tedros. And when the emperor asked them to offer incense, you know, they chose to be killed for the name of Christ rather than follow and uh, you know again uh, the emperor against the teaching of Christ ah 
it doesn't matter. يعني Saint Paul answered this question actually in First Corinthians chapter five, when he said. In First Corinthians chapter five, verse ten, verse nine, L A, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. So actually, if I try to apply this verse in obsolete sense, the only solution for me to die, in order not to keep company with sexually, because the world is is full of sexually. That's why Saint Paul elaborated. Verse 10, he said, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. You need to die. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. A brother means a believer. You know, who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or drunkard, or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person? Why? Because some people will say this is against love, but no, actually, this is a true love. If I am a believer, and I'm doing something wrong. And then I found the assembly of the believers to stand against me, and they do it out of love, so I can examine myself, and I can return back, and repent. But if you supported me as if I'm doing nothing wrong, that's what we call you are enabling me, you are encouraging my wrong behavior. So by doing this, actually, you are leading me to repent. And then Saint Paul answered your question clearly: For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Those who are outside, you know, the assembly of the believers. It's not my business. If if my uh, boss has a different belief system than what I have, that's fine. Just our relationship is business relationship, you know. Do you not do you not judge those who are inside? I have responsibility toward my brethren, you know, because all of us who are members in the same body, the body of Christ. Like when an organ in your member in your in your body start to suffer or have uh, pain. All your body will will ache, but if another body, another person has illness, you will not feel the illness in your body. That's why when he said you judge those who are inside, because his sin will affect me, and also I care about him to be healed. Those who are outside, I have responsibility to preach. And to bring them, when they are in the body of Christ, then actually uh, we we will have accountability toward one another. But those who are outside, God judges. So He's saying God is taking care of them. 
Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Uh, yourselves mean within the assembly of the believers. Does anyone have any verbal questions, or did everyone submit in writing? There are two questions uh, related to the introductions that I give, so I start by answering them. You mentioned that performing uh, a gift, uh, performing miracles is a gift from God, but some practice lawlessness. But could these miracles or power come from the devil? Yes, of course. It can be from devil, like Antichrist. But I'm saying some in some situation, like Judas, Judas took this gift from God, not from Satan, but he was practicing lawlessness. But the Antichrist, his gift, or his power, will not be from God. It will be from Satan. Right? But yes, many, uh, and in this ca case, we will not call it gift. Maybe you can call it gift from Satan, but, <laughs> but not from God. Another question, why followers like sheep and not leaders? And why not act as a team in one body? Can you imagine a company that has no CEO or CFO, nothing? and all of them are equal and working as a team, do you think this company will be successful? Of course not. Somebody has to lead, you know? Uh, and if all of us are leaders, then <laughs> whom should lead? Even uh, when there is a group, when you, you, you form a committee, and maybe in the committee I appoint so-and-so to be a leader. Sometimes in the committee, the distribution of roles, we have what we call informal leader. If the leader doesn't have the leadership uh, qualities, then actually 
an informer leader will emerge, although he doesn't have the title of a leader. And either, even the formal leader will follow the infor uh, informal leader. And you can see this. So actually, uh, of course, we need to work as a team in one body. But even in, one, in our body, the brain actually works as a leader. Uh, and if the brain has stroke or like the person get paralyzed. So at the end, there has a leader. But the leader, uh, the best style of leadership is servant leader. So if I am a leader, my goal is to serve those whom I'm leading and to attend to their needs, not the opposite, not to push them around. So Alina Ala gambling. I have a family member who has gambling problem and who was confronted about it in front of his father of confession and he denied it. What and how should I help this person if he is lying about it and denying it? Gambling is addiction. Addiction exactly like heroin, like morphine, is addiction. Uh, and the best advice we give it to any uh, family around uh, an addict would tell them, do not enable them. Because addicts in general are very manipulative. They are in denial. They lie. Sometimes they can make you doubt yourself. And, and you can believe them. And many times, by supporting them, we say maybe when they know we love them, so they will change. But actually, the more you support them, the more you are enabling them and delaying their recovery. They say they need to hit the bottom. They need to feel that their addiction, whether it's gambling or drug or computer addiction or anything, is causing their life miserable. Then they will start to seek treatment. And the example from the scripture is the example of the prodigal son. If the father decided to send his son some food and some money, when he finished all his money and he even desired to eat the pods of the swine and nobody gave him, do you think if the son, if father decided to send him some money and some food, do you think that the prodigal son would return? No, because the father here will be enabling him. That's why when the Lord said in this parable, and nobody gave him anything, this verse is not just mentioned haphazardly. The lesson from this verse, do not enable an addict. If a gambler stole money and got arrested, 
Maybe you need to leave him suffer the consequences. Don't bail him out until he admit it and say, I need treatment. I want to go to a rehab center. Uh, the advice how you can help this person, do not enable him. Do not encourage his wrong behavior. Do not get him out of the problem that is caused by gambling or by any other type of addiction. Clear? Why there is still a lot of people afraid of getting married? How can we overcome feeling of loneliness? Uh, I think when people put in front of them the negative example, this will make them uh, afraid. But if they put in front of them successful stories, this will encourage them. Sometimes we expect perfection. Yeah, I, I need to find the perfect person in order for my marriage to be successful. And if you are thinking this way, you'll never get married because nobody is perfect on earth. Also, uh, the more we get older, the more afraid we'll become from getting married. Because youth, <laughs> uh, I can call them risk takers. <laughs> but when you grow up, you like to calculate the risk. And the more you calculate the risk for marriage, the more make you afraid to, to go through marriage. And then many questions will come to your mind about why this person was not married until this age, and why, and why, and why, and why. غير كده برضو ب sometimes we become very comfortable in our lifestyle, and we're afraid of change. Um, again, the younger you are the more adaptable you are. And the older you get, the more inflexible you are getting. By the way, I'm not saying all of this to scare you. I'm just answering the question <laughs> why there is still a lot of people afraid. So I'm answering the question. Lakin, uh, actually, I know many cases who, who get married after their 30s and after their 35 and after their 40 and they are successful, successful marriage. So yes, it can be very successful marriage. Uh, loneliness. Actually, many uh, counselors says, if you cannot overcome your loneliness before marriage, you cannot overcome it after marriage. 
loneliness it comes from within you know uh, if you just want to to get married in order to overcome loneliness uh, some some married people actually uh, are married and also they are lonely because there is a huge gap between uh, the person and his spouse or her spouse. Uh, loneliness comes from lacking of social skills. And you need to develop your social skills. And you need to, to, to overcome some of your uh, personality traits in order to overcome loneliness. Uh, one of the best books, actually, I think we have it here in, uh, in the bookstore. Uh, it's called I Have No One. This book is uh, written in Arabic by uh, a physician who is a psychologist, Dr. Nivin uh, Sadiq. And this book was introduced by Abu Nadawud Lamai. And this one of the best books I ever read about how you choose your spouse, how to overcome loneliness. Uh, about Ashkeda, the name, I have no one. How the Arab is Malay insane. I think it's available in Arabic and in English. We translate it here to English because I found this book very, very good book. So we translate it to English. It's available in Arabic and English. Uh, and part of the book that loneliness has nothing to do with marriage. Uh, you need to overcome your loneliness, uh, and marriage will never help you to overcome your loneliness. Uh, well, I, I, I think in the answer you'll find it in the book, but what are the issues that should be considered for second marriage? Like divorced men. Question is about psychological character, concerns, not about church permission. Yes. Is it better to marry from the same status, single to single? Taban, if you're asking, is it better? Yes, it's better. How likely why? Lacking. Why are you just laughing? It's not my question. I want to know. Yeah, hard. I'm not going to wait. Wait for it. Uh, I'm not saying don't marry uh, a person who is divorced. I'm not saying this. But the question will, is it better? I'm saying yes, it's better. Why? Marriage and divorce and children and fighting over custody, fighting over money, usually people come from all this dilemma wounded, very wounded. And they have some negative experience from the first marriage. So they will go to the second marriage with this dilemma, with these wounds, with this fear. For example, if, uh, if the spouse in the first marriage was physically abusive, in the second marriage, if the, the new spouse 
just raised his voice, this can trigger the same uh, fear, you know, that uh, I experienced in the previous marriage. Even if after divorce, you need, don't consider any relationship except after 18 months, a year and a half, to work uh, through your healing, uh, through divorce therapy. Because some people are divorced in the court, and maybe they got the permit for remarriage from the church, but they are not divorced emotionally. If you still win the name of your ex-wife or ex-husband, this name triggering you anger and resentment and fear, this means you are not emotionally divorced. If you still remember what happened, but you are still angry and you have resentment inside you. But actually, let one second. But when I say single to single, I mean here, single means a person, he was not in any relationship before. Because now dating is like marriage. Especially here in, in America, they got too close to each other. So the person who dated one time, two times, three times, four times, and then start to getting married, I, psychologically, I don't call him single. Because he went through many negative experiences. And he will go into marriage carrying all this package of negative experience in, in, in marriage. So not every single person is truly single. And not every divorced person is not a single if he is emotionally divorced. And if he's emotionally divorced and is healed completely, then now he is equal to a single person when it comes to a second marriage. Yes. Yeah, and I read your mind, that's why I'm. <laughs> okay. If you took two questions about service here, can service affect your salvation? Well, sorry, uh, Tani, if you are in, in a service relationship with someone, you are serving with. Can service add much more stress or pressure to the relationship? Can service affect your salvation? Service as designed by God and as planned by God should actually help me and enhance my salvation, not affecting my salvation negatively. But in my service, if I start to drift away from the design of God, yes, it can affect my salvation. Uh, that's why St. Paul said, many started with the Spirit and 
completed by flesh. يعني إيه مثلا؟ Service is a tool, but the goal is Christ. When service becomes a goal for me, not a tool, a goal for me, this can affect my salvation. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, L.A. Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's service. And though I give my body to be burned, that's service. But have not love, it profits me nothing. Baba Shnuda used to say, you serve the house of the Lord when you will serve the Lord of the house. Service for some people can turn into some uh, activities. And that's it, with no relationship with God. So I can do all these activities, but I don't have my personal time with Christ. I, I am not connected with God. Uh, some organizations... Uh, who feed the poor and take care of the orphans and they use actually uh, some ungodly ways to raise money to give to the poor. For example, one organization a few years ago in a fundraising activity, they invited an actress from Egypt because she donated $10,000. And this actress actually, she is known by, يعني, all her movies uh, are, are very, very difficult. Uh, you can call them pornography. So how can I raise money to the poor and doing fundraising activity by doing this? So here, the service can threaten their salvation. So we need not to drift away from the design of God when we serve him. That's why Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, that we serve him in righteousness and purity all the days of our life. So I can serve God, but I'm drifted from righteousness and purity. What about my relationship, يعني if I'm serving with somebody? Can service add stress to the relationship? يعني مثلا, uh, two servants in the same uh, class, two priests in the same church, etc. Service should not add more stress or pressure to the relationship unless there is ego and lack of love. The two requirements that you need in order for the service to be, will not affect or add a pressure or stress between me and my uh, partner in the service I need to have love 
and humbleness. If these two virtues are there, we love one another, the agape love, and we are humble, and we don't put our ego in front, actually, uh, it will never add uh, stress or pressure to the relationship. When we have our differences, when we have our dialogue, but it will never add, it will enhance actually the service. Usually when I ordain a second priest, I say, when I ordain second priest in the same church, I'm not dividing the service between both of them. Because Abuna is already doing such service, but I'm expecting to double the service. And the law of synergy, actually, the productivity of two working together is more than the sum of the work of each one uh, working by himself. You understand what I'm saying? Mafrud, okay. when two serve together, according to the law of synergy, their productivity will be higher. But why sometimes there is stress or there is pressure to the relationship? Because lack of love and lack of humbleness. How can you hate the sin but love the sinner? Yet also not associate yourself with those who are outside our faith. The homosexuals, the drunkards, the idolaters. How can we then bring them to Christ? الأول if you perceive sin as illness as disease attacking the person then you can actually in your mind differentiate between the sin and the sinner and you can hate the sin but love the sinner many times we don't perceive sin as illness. Also, sin actually is a spiritual illness. For example, if somebody has cancer, you will hate the cancer, but you have compassion and love towards the person. You don't hate the person because he has cancer, but you hate the illness in him. Any sin is like illness. Any sin is like illness. So, uh, when I say, hate the sin, or you know, the father said, hate the sin but love the sinners, means uh, we hate the sin actually that took this person as a captive. And because I love this person very much, I want him, through the grace of God, to be freed from his sin and this captivity. And what will help you when you perceive sin as a spiritual illness, which indeed sin is spiritual illness. Actually, the rest of the question also, how we don't associate ourselves with those who are outside, how can we bring Christ to them? If you listen carefully to St. Paul, he asked you to associate with them, not, not not to associate with them. <laughs> Let me 
remind you with the verses that I read from First Corinthians chapter 5. St. Paul said, if a brother, a believer, is sexually immoral or drunkard or idolater, etc., don't even drink or eat with this person. Don't associate with him. Why? When this person is excommunicated, excommunicated means no communication, and feel isolated, he knows already Christ, you know, then actually he will repent and come back to the church. But then he said, but I'm not, I'm not saying this with the people of the world. Otherwise, you need to exit the world, which means you need actually to keep a relationship with the people from the world. Relationship means what? In my business, I, I, it's a business relationship. In a school, they will be my companions, etc. But there's another dimension in this relationship, which I bring Christ to them. I witness to Christ to them. So, I will not associate them in a friendly manner. But if I interact with them, I have this goal in my mind to bring Christ to them. But St. Paul didn't say, associate with them and do their behavior and be like them, their behavior, and because you will be desensitized to the sins. So you associate with them in two levels. One level, whether it's work relationship, school relationship, whatever. And the second level as a witness of Christ, for Christ. And you can witness by word, to speak to them, by your example, by prayer, by serving them. So these are different forms of witnessing to those who are outside. Some people are not looking for marriage to overcome loneliness, but to satisfy their need to build a family and for motherhood. Which actually, that's a good uh, goal, and that is the right thing. And uh, when I consider marriage, or I'm looking for marriage, uh, because I have inside me need to build a, a family glorifying God, and either as male or female, I have you know, this desire for fatherhood or, or, or motherhood inside me. How can this person get over desire of motherhood? Uh, although this desire is godly desire and, and from God, but not every married person uh, person becomes a father or mother. I'm, I'm sure you know there are many, many, many cases of, of infertility. علشان كده, uh, this motherhood or this fatherhood, if it is not granted to me, here God actually will compensate for this 
and he can actually give me comfort in my heart. Uh, so God can satisfy all my needs, whether it is physical needs, psychological needs, or spiritual needs. And when I word he can satisfy, I'm not saying satisfying by giving me this. No. But making me comfortable and in peace, although I don't have this. Maybe I, I'm physically sick. But through my relationship with God, maybe he will not heal me. But by his grace, I will be content. Like St. Paul, he had sword in the flesh and he asked God to heal him. But God told him, my grace is sufficient. My uh, uh, power will be made perfect in your weakness. So as God actually made St. Paul at peace and happy during his illness, physical illness, again, if I don't have children, either because God did not grant me children in, in marriage, or because I'm single, I, 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 I did not get married, God actually can satisfy my needs through my relationship with him. And part of this, I accept the circumstances. Because many times when we don't accept, we become resentful, we become angry. Even if God wants to comfort me, I will not accept this comfort from him. So acceptance is, is a key point here. To accept my situation. To accept my situation. But how the church think about adoption or sperm donors? Okay. Adoption is easy. Uh, adoption in general is something uh, is a church is not against it if you adopt a child. But maybe the question here is about uh, yani, a person who is single or not married to adopt a child. Uh, I don't think there is nothing wrong against it. Uh, but there will be some social challenges. Uh, for example, what I'm going to explain to this child when he grew up, how the child will feel among you know, his peers. And I'm, I'm saying challenges. I'm not saying I'm against it. Yani, I think from spiritual point of view uh, and Christian point of view, nothing wrong. Well, can, there will be some challenges facing this family. Because if a married uh, couple have a son or daughter and then Muslim one of the uh, parents died, yeah, يعني, it is clear. Like in how we can explain this, uh, يعني, this will be a challenge. Uh, sperm donor, the is against sperm donor. Because in marriage, God unites this person with that person. Why? Uh, God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat from this tree, you shall surely die. What was wrong in the tree? Nothing was wrong in the tree. 
But the point here in Homa is they took the tree not from the hand of God. Anything I receive it from the hand of God, it will be source of life. Because God is life. If I receive anything not from his hand, it will not be a source of life, rather a source of death. In the same way, in the same way, in marriage, I receive my spouse from the hand of God. So, in marriage, this sperm from this man is given to this over from that wife that God united them together. But if I take sperm from a person who is not my husband, then actually as if I am eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because this person, this sperm, is not given to me by God. That's why the church is against uh, the sperm donor. Like an adoption in general, adopting children is acceptable uh, and nothing wrong against it. Yes. In vitro, yes. Ah, yeah, yeah. But if it, there are some challenges. Let me tell you. Usually, when they take the sperm from the father and over from mother, they don't take one sperm and one ova. They take plenty. And then, uh, uh, they have uh, 10 uh, fertilized ova. And they don't implant all of them. If the pregnancy went on, then we'll have actually a leftover. So, what was the leftover? Hal hanatebro the fertilized over. Yeah. So, are they considered uh, human being? If they are considered human beings, in destroying them will be abortion. So how, how can you solve this? So there is a, a challenge here, and now the banks have millions, not millions, billions and billions and billions of fertilized ova, and uh, they don't know what to do with them. Yes. Do I've had some friends, Coptic friends, deal with this issue. You don't have to. Um, it's less expensive to take the sperm and the egg and have multiple embryos, but you don't have to do it that way. So you can say, I just want to fertilize two eggs. And if I have twins, so it costs more money every time, but then you have to do it multiple yeah, times. Yeah, it costs more money, and the rate of success will be lower. And oh, nobody right? wants to go through, through this process. Oh. Yeah, unless they are rich. <laughs> yes. Like over freezing and embryo freezing. Like even if the lady she's not married yet, she can like borrow a sperm from one of her friends, 
and um, like Just fertilize it with the ova till she gets married and then she will use the embryo to have kids. It is God who unites the husband and the wife. It's God who unites this sperm with this ova. What about just like she said, freezing eggs? Yeah, freezing eggs, nothing wrong with this. Yes. Um, I have another question. What about if a couple's getting older, so they uh, take their sperm and their egg, but for some reason the woman cannot carry the baby? Is it okay to then have somebody else carry, but it's their sperm and egg? <laughs> I, these are the things uh, that are... This is what's happening today. I mean, I just these are, yeah. It has name, surgeon mother. His Grace Bishop Gregorius in 1960s he published a paper about this and he said nothing wrong about it. But later on, 10 years later, he published another book <laughs> and he said uh, and he, he acknowledged what he published 10 years ago, uh, in the 1960s. Uh, it's a very old question, it's not a new question. And he said, uh, this opinion was not right. Uh, again, uh, this uh, zygote that has the sperm and ova from another couple will be mixed, uh, implanted in the uterus of this mother and, and will be one with this mother. And again, if we go to what I explained in the, <clears throat> I should not take something except from the hand of God, then she didn't take this from the hand of God. So that's the explanation of, uh, <coughs> we are helping them, nothing wrong with that to help this couple to have a child. For, from that perspective, he said it's okay. But then 10 years later, <coughs> he said, it's not okay. <coughs> and if you don't know, <coughs> Bishop Gregorius is one of the very, very few and rare scholars in the Coptic Church. One of the people who are very famous for their research and when I'm using him, I'm using him as a reference because he's one of the very rare scholars in, in the Coptic Church. Can we read it? Okay. Time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Some people in our culture look at annulment or second marriage as a form of adultery that the church granted to certain individuals. They don't give them second chance 
because of belief or culture. Please let us know how the church views second marriage to ones not been married before. <coughs> of course, culture can have its belief system. Like now we have the scripture to teach us. To teach us. The Lord said, he who divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality commits adultery. That's why the church gives permission to uh, <coughs> the innocent person who is divorced because his spouse committed adultery, they give him permit to remarry. And this not again is the teaching of the scripture. And this is not considered adultery in front of God. How the church will bless adultery? <laughs> A relationship. Yani, when the church gives permission for remarriage, this means you know the church will officiate the marriage. So how the church will bless a marriage that the church foreknew it is adultery. So in this case only, when divorce is due to sexual immorality, the innocent person is granted permission to remarry uh, according to the teaching of the scripture. Sometimes, yes, as you said, the culture has different opinion. But that's the culture. لكن مش كل حاجة الكالتشر بتقولها بتبقى صح مش كده احنا our conscience should not be formed by the culture but by the word of God Can boys and girls be just friends? I'm expecting this school in high school convention. <laughs> in high schoolers here. <laughs> Let me tell you, in... Uh, When they become just friends, gradually they will cross certain boundaries. And once these boundaries are crossed, then they are heading towards him. There is a very nice book called Not Just Friends. <laughs> this book is written by a lady from New Jersey. Her name is Shirley Glass. Uh, she died in uh, 1990, something like this. But the book actually, uh, it is a Christian book, although it doesn't have any verse in it. It's written from Christian perspective. Can here in the introduction, I'm writing this book not for people who want to cheat or want to flirt around, no. I'm writing this book for people who never, ever thought about cheating on their spouses. 
and was determined to live a faithful life. But they ended up in sexual immorality. So she was explaining what happens. It happens by saying we are just friends. And then when we say we are just friends, we start to cross the boundary. Uh, then once we start crossing the boundary, gradually, you know, they head towards sexual immorality. It's a very nice book. So there is nothing called We Just Friends. If you believe in this, read this book, Not Just Friends. <laughs> is it wrong to marry a younger guy? If so, by how many years? <laughs> Let me tell you the rule of the Holy Synod here, because there is a rule here. <coughs> if a man want to marry a girl that is younger than him by 15 years or more, they should get a special permit from either the bishop or his holiness in the diocese that doesn't have bishop. And if a woman want to marry a guy younger than her, but more than two years, they, she has to get a permission from the bishop or his homes. What? <laughs> you are anxious. <laughs> if, if you wait. <laughs> Look at a psychological fact, but no offense to boys here. In Maruf, in the females mature quicker and earlier than the boys. يعني لو عندنا مثلاً ولد وبنت at the age of twenty, the Woman, the, the girl, will be more mature than the boy. Uh, <coughs> she's older, <coughs> five years or six years, the difference in maturity will be about 10 years. Then actually, she will be like a mother to him. <laughs> Psychologically. Uh, and, and sometimes, actually, I hear some comments like this, uh, I have four kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> وبعد كده مثلا واحدة ممكن تيجي تطبطب على قصة كده تقول he's a good boy. I see these things actually. فدين طبعا it will tell you a lot about the relationship. 
هتقولي لي طيب ما هو طب وفيها ايه غلط ان الوايف تو بي ذا ليدر سايكولوجيكلي even the strongest and the toughest woman wants her husband to be a leader وبعد كده if her husband يمكن في الارض تبقى فرحانه ان هي she leads him but after three four years هيسقط من عينيها تقول I'm not married a man even if she did not say this تقول جوزي ده اللي اعتمد عليه ده مش راجل ده كده يعني I cannot depend on him he's not a man he's not a leader so for this actually كنيسة حطت يعني this difference in age طبعا why 15 and 2 years because as I told you الفيميلز جرو فاستر ذان اند ماتيور فاستر ذان بويز الراجل مثلا لو هي 15 لو مور ذان 15 years هي ويل تريت هير از هيز دوتر لو احنا مثلا قلنا هيبقى الديفرنس في الماتيورتي بين بوث اوف ذيم مثلا 7 years وبعدين في another eight years difference لو هي more than this actually he will perceive her as his daughter. We sometimes actually she will look him as her dad. With some cases of sexual immorality or adultery happens because she feels in here she is married to her dad. And now she wants to, to marry to somebody at her age. It's, it's a lot of challenges here. Why do you call Because who is in direct relationship with most of the congregation? ذا بريست فممكن يبقى مكسوف ابونا مش عارف احنا تو نعفيه من الحرج ده يعني وي دونت ونت هيم تو بي اون ذا سبوت اخر سؤال تشينجز ان انفايرمنت اند فود ساتش از ويت هاز ريزالتد ان شارب انكريزز ان سيلياك ديزيز اند جلوتين انتولرانس فروم ويت برودكتس What has the Southern Diocese been discussing to protect parishioners from the risks of wheat during communion? Have wheat alternatives such as rice or almond flour being discussed? No. Ah, and we did not hear it? <laughs> Okay. <coughs> the question speaking about many people have uh, developed diseases because of wheat. So in communion, uh, you know, the bread uh, is made of wheat. So the question, uh, can we consider from rice or almond flour instead of wheat? Uh, 
يعني I, I want to say two comments here. First comment in what you eat in communion is very, very, very small, cannot trigger anything. Second comment, some parents wheat allergy, so we give him the blood. You know, this blood from this uh, body and this body is for this blood. The children, the little babies, how can we uh, give them communion? We give them only blood. So if they take only blood, this will be a full communion. So nothing wrong with that. Uh, so I have wheat allergy, we don't give him the, the, the bread at all, at all. لكن طبعا wheat has many symbols يعني in the Bible uh, the Lord uh, said the wheat the, the, the grain uh, seed is a symbol of Christ itself and he's a bread of life so to change the, the, the material into rice or almond flour uh, يعني, uh, in my opinion it is not an option but they can actually take only the blood, and this will solve the, the, the problem. We don't have to change that. Masalan, in the southern diocese, I personally only one case, only one, maybe the priest no more, but I personally know only one case in the whole southern diocese. Uh, so it is not that common, at least until now. Are you Paul? shared with us been uh, shared with all of your priests in the in the southern diocese are they all aware of the the acceptance of only taking the, yeah, the blood yeah, and I, having I, a full communion yeah i don't recall if i shared it with them we have priest meetings this monday you can share it with sure. them well, to make some, sure some of the priests still force the parishioners to take the body even if they have a disease reaction yeah nobody will force anybody <laughs> to take it but anyway we can share it with them. Okay. Yeah, I will share it with them. Yes. Um, just out of curiosity, have you ever come across any cases where you did not grant those couple a special permit and based on what? They did not get special permit. أيوة ماله إلا حسن. is it a successful rejected me personally? No, I never rejected any. أنا in such a situation, I meet both of them, and I, I explain all the challenges and make sure they understand it very well. And at the end, I tell them, you know, now I'm answered. If I explained all this, it's up to you. أنا personally, I don't reject. Maybe other bishops, they reject. But me personally, until now, I, I never rejected a situation like this. Does that rule apply in Egypt as well? No. Does that rule apply in Egypt as well? No, I know, I know some bishops uh, rejected and refused to do marriage like this. I know for sure it, it happened. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 
if somebody were, uh, let's say, um, getting dating or getting to know somebody um, Catholic or Protestant, Christian, but not Orthodox, and the other person refuses to convert to Coptic Orthodoxy, what are their options? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> not to get married. <laughs> Could I ask any question? You want to ask Christian? Could I ask It was just back to the previous question. Was that two years of age? Was that a? How did that number come about? I know. Is that scientific? Is that just? Yes, I think they consulted. They consulted with some. And when there is a decision like this comes in the Holy Synod, we consult with people who have experience and we ask them, "What's your recommendation?" You know. Like when I said, listen, after divorce, uh, it's better not to consider another relationship except after 18 months. You know, so all these numbers are written in the books of, of counseling and psychology. Any more questions? Beyond time. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you, Sayedna.